Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, Julie. It's so nice to talk to you. How are you doing? Hey, Jessica. I'm doing okay. It's been a really rough week for everyone here in this country. Yeah. Um, I've cried so many times this week. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's watching terrible things happen, and sometimes it's being inspired by watching footage of protesters do really brave things. I don't know if you saw the man, um, but he got in front of a white supremacist car and put a gate in front of it and blocked the car from going into a crowd of protesters. And the man shot him, but he turned and he's going to be okay. And there's footage of him coming away and just saying, I just didn't want him to hurt all those people. You know, and, what? That's a, it's, I didn't, I didn't click on that link, that link because I was, I was like, I was afraid to see what would be there. And I feel like this week there's been, you know, like I filled myself and filled myself with, with images, you're right, of, of health, you know, people helping and people hurting. And, you know, I just come back to like, how can we support each other as, you know, a global community and how can we be there for each other? And, and at the Manuscript Academy, what can we do to kind of help? Um, it's been really complicated and hard and, amazing in so many ways for our country, but but what a time. Well, it's interesting too, because, you know, it, it's, it's easy to find a list of resources. For one thing, I've been really impressed actually with how much is available on Google. So you do not have to bug your Black friends with your questions right now. In fact, you should not. Um, you can Google all kinds of really helpful things like how to support your Black friends right now, and I really recommend that you do, and we'll talk about um, some of the things we've learned about that in a little bit later. A little bit later. Um, but, you know, you get to the list of documentaries you can watch, and 13th is a really great one. And I was watching it, and one of the experiences I've had this week is we should have been supporting these voices and these lives this whole time. Where were we? Um, it just, you know, so much of, so much of what you, I, what I've been feeling this past week is like, this has been something that's been here this whole time. Where have we been? And I think that's, you know, it's interesting. I think when Barack Obama was elected, we thought, I thought, <laughs> and I was wrong that there had been such great change in our country and that this, that was a turning point. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is, you know, the exposure of what, you know, and, and I know coming from Maine, sometimes that's even harder to see, um, a very white, um, you know, state. Um, but, but yeah, it's been really hard. And, um, like once again, like I'm going to go back to where I landed with this and where we can support is, you know, like via storytelling, I feel like that is the answer, right? If we are, if we are reading and consuming stories from all people, right. And especially right now, um, you know, black authors 
it gives us all the chance to walk in someone else's shoes. It's really difficult to truly understand what someone goes through unless you're in their shoes. Um, And that's what's so amazing about books. Yeah. And I think another really important thing is examining what's happening with publishing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a really incredible solidarity action where I believe 1,300 people um, put up an out of office and said, I'm not working today. I am supporting Black Lives Matter and I'm donating a day's wages to one of these the following organizations. And I took part and I was so happy that I have a boss who wasn't going to say, no, you can't do that or you're fired. Um, There were some resources for people who might have run into that problem, but it was really incredible to see so many people standing together. Um, Our industry has a lot of work to do. And Mm -hmm. one thing I'm doing as a sort of extracurricular activity is I'm scheduling um, just meetings to go to. And I think I told you about this. I was doing this last week, Julie. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm scheduling meetings to talk about your resume and your cover letter if you are a Black aspiring agent or editor. So find that on Twitter. Um, All the information is there if you'd like to meet with me to talk about that. Because if there's anything I can do to help more, um, help our industry address the fact that right now we're doing an absolutely terrible job with diversity, um, we need your voice, we need your perspective. And sometimes just little things in your cover cover letter or resume can make a really big difference. Well, that's so interesting. I think to me, like as an industry, we've talked a lot about how to support early agents and editors. And it's complicated for, you know, all people in that position um, due to the internships and the the actual, um, you know, kind of connections that you need to get in. And so the whole idea of reaching out a hand, someone taking that hand, and then that hand has reached out to the next person behind them and really building bridges between communities so that we can, you know, help fix this problem. So thank you for doing that. That's amazing. I wish I had the skills. I would help you. I don't have those (laughs) skills. Yeah. Publishing is one of those industries where, um, you know, it's almost, it's, I don't think it's purposely secretive, but there are so many things that are hard to know unless you're there. And so, um, I'm hoping that this is the sort of thing that will make it so that I will help people get hired and then they will take on great books and those great books will affect so many people who will then in turn want to work in publishing and hire more great people. Well, I'll tell you, I think, you know, coming from, once again, from Maine and from the perspective up here in this, you know, the great North, um, we are having amazing activism with our students and our, our young people. And I mean, in my town, I know we had, there's been thousands and thousands in the streets of Portland, a town of 70,000. Um, so huge percentage of, of kids have been out there. And I know locally Your kids from high school. Yeah. My kids have been there every night. And, um, and I was, it was really interesting for me. I was like, okay, um, we were putting together our scholarship for black writers when the kids were protesting. And I was like, you know what? I said to the kids, I think that like, we all like, look at what you can do as a person, right? Like, so as a person, I can help support people via the Manuscript Academy. And that's probably the place I have the most power. And then for the kids really putting, you know, they don't have a whole lot of power yet. (laughs) They will someday, hopefully, but marching 
every single day and day after day after day and, and just being there and listening. And, um, you know, it's interesting. My son went to the front line and he was a human shield and I, you know, and I was, I'm so proud of him, you know? And I think like, especially in the time of COVID, you know, you're like, what is it worth taking a stand for? Right. I think mm-hmm. we all as parents went through that. Like, are they being safe? Are they putting on their masks? Are they using hand sanitizer? And and this and I and I saw someone said this on Twitter, so I'm not the first one to say this, but like I'm not a fan of people fighting to get their haircuts. I'm a fan of people fighting for what's right, for for humanity, you know, for equality. Um so I'm hoping there's gonna be a lot of silver linings from this time period and a lot of interesting things to come out of it. Yeah. I mean, what if we look back on this time and we're like, that's the moment when everything changed, you know, mm-hmm. that's the moment when 400 years of, of terrible treatment of, of our fellow citizens changed. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, I mean, and I know just there's, I have other friends that, um, you know, if you think about it, just going back to, and I just want like you guys out there to be thinking, well, what can you do? Like I have a friend, um, that is, she's like a psychic medium and she's working with a bunch of other mediums to like raise, you know, the positive energy. And I was just like, and when she talks about it, you know, like the whole idea that we're raising up and the energy that we're creating is, is, is moving out there to all these different places. And like, just what can you do? And maybe, you know, listener, maybe it's you can right now, which is what I did yesterday. Uh, the bookstores opened here, here, and I was like, got my, you know, mask, and I went to the bookstore and I bought books by black writers. And so this is what you can do. The easiest thing you can do is you can get on your face mask, you can go to your local bookstore, and you can support uh, black writers right now lifting the voices of new books coming out, talking to your friends about them. And that's what I did last night. I was like, I'm going to go get these books. I'm going to see what's out there. I'm going to explore. I'm going to pick up the books that are really, you know, speaking to me and I'm going to sit in bed. And I actually, I like to like surround myself with books, like a book nest. <laughs> like, like you can just like feel the books. It's ridiculous. My husband, when my husband's gone, my kids are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm sleeping with the books, um, which is really <laughs> weird. I'm sorry. Confession. No, I do that too. You just have to be careful not to like fall on the sharp Crush corner. Up. Right. But I, you know, and I just sat reading and reading and reading and immersing myself in a way, honestly, I've talked about on this podcast, so I haven't read a whole lot during the pandemic because, you know, we've been really busy but my brain hasn't been the best, you know, my eyes are tired at the end of the day, the day. Um, and it was last night. I mean, I was just sitting, I was just, I was so glad that I took the time to be with these books and I'm so excited to talk about these books. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, it's such a simple thing. Support, read, tell your friends, you know, support, read, tell your friends and then repeat and do it over and over and over again. And so today we're going to share with you some books. We're going to share with you some podcasts. Uh, I have a great book list from a children's librarian. Um, Do we have another plans for this podcast? Yeah, I think, 
One thing I found really interesting in the podcast I was listening to is that there's a common theme of have those conversations because mm-hmm. odds are you have access to people who need to learn more about what's happening in the world. And so if you challenge your racist uncle at the dinner table, for example, you have access to changing his mind in a way that the media does not and a lot of people do not. So um I found some really great talking points for how to have those conversations so that it's a bit less frustrating. Um, I certainly have not enjoyed particularly those conversations in the past um, because I didn't know what to say, Um, but it's really, really important um, to do that now. I also think it's really important to support your black friends, but in the right way. Um, There are a lot of great pieces about this, even if you just literally Google how to support your black friends right now. Um, I think some common themes are saying, you know, I'm sending you so much love right now. I'm sending you good wishes. I'm thinking about you. Um, but don't talk about how sad and angry and frustrated you are. You don't want them to have to do emotional labor. Mm -hmm. Um, they're already doing so much emotional labor. Um, don't try to just reach out to somebody that you hardly talk to anyway right now. Like this is for people who you would talk to anyway. You don't want, you know, to be that person who comes out of the woodwork just to be like, you know, hi, how are you doing? Just because, you know, you've interacted on Instagram a few times. Um, don't expect a response back. Um, this isn't about you. This is about being supportive and being an ally. So, um, and it, even the question of how are you doing can be really loaded right now. So be careful with that. Um, but there are some really great templates uh, out there. Again, just Google something like um, how to support your black friends right now and you will find some really amazing articles. So, I mean, don't you love the internet? Don't you love how we can all connect just via our computers in our homes right now with us being so separate? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a way to love. not make your friends do yeah. emotional labor too. Um, it's, I think it's, you know, if you have a question, odds are you can find at least the beginning of it on the internet. So you don't have to ask your friend who's already, you know, doing a lot of emotional work right now. Yeah. So can you, um, refer us to some specific podcasts that you've really enjoyed? Sure. So this week I've really enjoyed, um, Black Girl Nerds. Uh, Code Switch and the Good Ancestor podcast all have really interesting conversations about this in their feeds right now. So, and I was like, when we were talking about this yesterday, I was um, thinking of podcasts that I move towards. And I often, um, I was just thinking of how the Moth Radio Hour um, via NPR, um, the Radio Lab, how, how, regardless of who's speaking, um, once again, it gives me the opportunity to stand in someone's shoes and in a way that is so impactful and, um, you know, just, I guess the word is, it brings out an understanding in my world that sometimes I can't get via, you know, anything else. Hearing someone, there's, there's hearing someone's written word, but there's also hearing, hearing someone's spoken word that I think is just really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really nice to be able to hear a conversation and tone of voice and just, it, it, just something about hearing it makes it feel more natural to you and you can put it on while you're doing, you know, dishes or exercising. I got a little like miniature stair step area for quarantine. Um, you know, it's just a way to feel like you're being surrounded by really smart 
voices who know these things. And I think it's a way that you can learn a lot just by absorbing that energy. My gosh, absolutely. Um, Another thing you can do, there's a great event. Um, I am so happy to have a ticket for this. Stacey Abrams' book, Our Time Is Now, is coming out. And the first event is hosted by Sixth and I Bookstore. So um, you can, the Sixth and I Bookstore in DC, um, we'll post a link to get a ticket in the show notes. Yeah, that sounds like a great event. Can I I just talk a little bit about the books that I grabbed at the bookstore yesterday? So, like I said, this was just such a great pleasure, and it was, um, you know, I'm I'm absolutely, you know, I'm gonna, the book I'm going to start talking about. I'm just absolutely blown away, and I, um, what was interesting to me as I read this book, and I'm not done. I, you know, I tried to get through all of it, but I didn't. Um, is how much I immersed in the characters so quickly. So the book is called "Clap When You Land" by Elizabeth. Um, Acevedo. So she, I think she's Joan Paquette, who is um, oh, someone that has been at my writing conferences when I did brick and, brick and mortar ones with the Aaron Murphy Literary is her agent. And um, this book is written in verse and it is one of the most beautifully written books I've ever seen. I'll read you um, the book jacket. Camino Rios lives through the summers when her father visits her in the Dominican Republic. But this year on the day when his plan was supposed to land, Camino arrives at the airport to see crowds of crying people. In New York City, Yahario Rios is called to the principal's office where her mother is walking, is waiting to tell her that her father, her hero, has died in a plane crash. Separated by distance and Pappy's secrets, the two girls are forced to face a new reality in which their father is dead and their lives are forever stressed, altered. And then when they seems like they lost everything, they learn of each other. Pappy's death uncovers all the painful truth he kept hidden and the love for he divided from across an ocean. And now Yahira and Kamira are both left to grapple with what a new sister means to them and what it will take them to keep their dreams alive. In this novel, in a verse that brims with both grief and love, award-winning and best-selling author Elizabeth Acevedo writes about the devastation of loss, the difficulty of forgiveness, and the bittersweet bonds that shape our lives. Um... And I must say, like, books in verse, you know, are something that I've tried before, and I've never been as engrossed as I was by this book. Um, and the ability of Elizabeth to create really sharp details and images, um, you know, it, it just kind of blows me away. Can I can I read? Can I just pick a re- page and read it? Yeah. Um. Last summer when I learned my father's secret, it was like bank-style gates descended on my tongue. No words could, could escape. Those words I learned must be protective at all cost, even for my family. Pappy thought my silence was because of chess, because I was angry at his disapproval. He never once imagined that my silence was my disappointment in him at what I'd found. And although I felt he'd become a stranger, I'd never stop being parent, my parent's steady daughter who did her chores and bothered no one. Even now, that's a habit I know how to break. I take down the trash. I microwave the leftovers. I wrap myself tight around the feelings I cannot share. And not an open present, a gift no one wants. Wow. And each and every page 
is this? Each and every page is like a snapshot in a life. And it just struck me as I was reading this, um, you know, what a privilege that is for me, um, you know, as a middle-aged white reader, um, you know, to just experience it in such a profound way. And that's, that was just a random page. I mean, I would say there's some pages that hit, made me laugh and some pages that, you know, choked me up and some pages where I a hundred percent, um, you know, identified my own teenage self on that page as well. I mean, I just can't, I cannot say enough about this book. Um, and it looks like she won the national book award for the poet X, which I will pick up, um, but clap when you land. Um, so, so pleased to have, um, this on my bookshelf. Um, and then for something totally different, um, I wanted to grab a middle grade as well. Um, and I picked up a good kind of trouble, um, by Lisa Moore Ramey, um, and Angie Thomas, of course, the bestselling author of the hate you give called this, um, full of truth, full of heart and truth. Um, and this, I love this and I feel like the voice. So ages, uh, this is for ages between eight and 12. Um, and just feel how it starts. 12 year old Shayla is allergic to trouble. All she wants to do is to follow the rules. Oh, she'd also like to make it through seventh grade with her best friends intact, learn to run track and have a cute boy see past her giant forehead. But in junior high, it's all like the rules have changed. Now she's suddenly questioning who her best friends are. And some people at school are saying she's not black enough. Shay's sister, Hannah, is involved in Black Lives Matter, but Shay doesn't think that's for her. After experiencing powerful protests, though, Shay decides some rules are worth breaking. She starts wearing an armband to school in support of the Black Lives Movement. Soon everyone's taking sides, and she is given an ultimatum. Shay is scared to do the wrong thing, and even more scared to do the right thing. But she doesn't face her fears. If she doesn't face her fears, she'll be forever tripping over the next hurdle. Now that's trouble for real. Um, and I love, we talk, and you know what, this is, this is interesting because I felt like this one, um, you know, I read, I think I read about five, maybe seven chapters last night. I was just as engrossed in this one. Um, it appealed to all of the teacher parts of my brain. Um, and I, what I, what I love about it is we often talk about grounding a character before there's trouble. Um, just going back to more craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought... I thought that Lisa did such a great job. Um, I'll read the first page. Once again, first slide, I'm allergic to trouble, makes my hands itch. But today it's sci- it's science. When Mrs. Mr. Levi ca- starts calling out lab partner assignments, I don't even get the slightest tingle. I just sit there barely breathing, waiting for him to assign me to the perfect partner. He's been promising we'd start science labs since the first day of school. It's been weeks. Lots of time for me to decide on the perfect partner. Mr. Levy has been teaching science at Emerson Junior High for centuries, and he looks like a mad scientist for real. He has wild, frizzy gray hair and even wears a lab coat every day. He fluffs his hair and adjusts his thick black glasses. I start rubbing my hands against my legs, which isn't a good sign because I don't pay it, but I don't pay attention. And any second he will get to my name. Shyla and Mr. Levy pauses a few seconds, like he's really thinking about it, like he doesn't already have the list in front of him. And Bernard, he says, no, and I mean, no, that is the opposite of perfect. 
I sneak a peek behind him. Bernard's is in the back, slouching low in his seat. Junior high school desks weren't made for Bernard. He's not kid size. He's grown up size and grown up big. He catches me looking at him and his mouth lifts into a mean grimace. I gulp and look away. My his sister Hannah would say I'm being just like those people who take one look at a black person and think they used to clutch their purse tight or lock their car doors. I have no problem with Bernard being black. Obviously, I'm black too. It's him being huge and mean and scary. Hmm. Um, what I love so much, one, I thought this was totally grounded, right? Um, so it's totally grounded. You know where you are. And you know that feeling, you know, seventh grade is totally awkward anyways. And, you know, it, she, she starts with such, you know, Shade just wants a good lab partner. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's Bernard. And then you kind of learn that she's judging Bernard. And you kind of, it brings up the whole focus of the whole book, which obviously is going to be about the sides and judging and how everyone does it, you know, at that age. Um, and maybe everyone does it even, you know, all through. And then when we learn about someone else, the judgment goes away. You know, I thought that was genius. I loved how, um, if it went on, she, he's big, she's little, you know, like there are all these things that we do to, you know, like, okay, that person is tall, that person's short, that person's black, that person's white, you know, the whole thing, but really it's all, you just want a good lab partner, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So a good kind of trouble. Um, I'm looking forward to finishing this one up by Lisa Moore. Renee, once again, I wanted to highlight new books. These are both out in 2020. Um, this is Balter and Bray, um, in print of HarperCollins. This is 2019. And Clap When You Land, I believe is just out. It is um, Copyright 220. So it's this year. I didn't prepare as much as Julie did, but I'm really enjoying You Should See Me in a Crown by Lee Johnson. It's about two girls going for prom queen who fall in love. It's oh. so much fun. And there's a really great food fight scene. So, oh um, yeah, we don't, we, you know, I think it's also important to um, read books that are, are light and things are going well and we're seeing these characters and positions of power. Um, and also, like, I think, I think it's important to see the moments that, like, you know, I, I donated to a lot of serious causes, but like, I'll admit it, Julie, I also sent money to the, like, you're going to use, lose your job woman. <laughs> did you see her? Right. Yes, I did. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, what an amazing story. You know, she's going through so much and she's in this awful position and she does this incredible, like, you're going to lose your job. And it's like, and then someone remixed it and like, even Elmo's in the remix. Elmo's been doing some good work this week. And like, it's, and so, yeah, her sister set up a GoFundMe. You can find it. Um, on Instagram at get this dance. Um, and you can send money for her too. And she's actually been interviewed and said it's made a big difference in her life. So that's amazing. And I would say that like, one of the things we really wanted to talk about here and that we looked for, and we reached out to a children's librarian for is we, um, want to talk about black protagonists written by black authors that aren't about racism and are upbeat, you know, like, like, I think that's so important. So I have a great list for you that we'll put in the show notes um, that you can share with your children that you should pick up. Um, just to um, read a few, As as Brave as You by Jason Reynolds, um, Crystal Allen, The Magnif- Magnificent Maya Tips, um, which is about 
typical schoolgirl antics in a competition set in Texas. Um, the Vanderbeekers of 41st Street um, is another great one. Um, but we have plenty here that we can show you and hopefully you can check out. Yeah. And another thing we're doing, I think you've probably seen our first page podcasts before. There are several in the feed. So for the next couple of months, we're going to be focusing on Black voices for those. And here is a page by RAO Wordplay. Um, This is called Never Knowing. Grief needs a fond memory or two to get going. When Tyler's wife, Caroline, passed in January 2002, no such moments came to mind. To friends and colleagues who hadn't known the full extent of her health issues, the news was a sad surprise. To Tyler, it was a welcome relief, a sentiment he kept to himself. Pneumonia was the official cause of death, but bone-deep bitterness played a significant part in her denouement. Towards the end, he regularly slipped an extra Valium into her boatload of medications and never denied her requests for an extra shot of sherry. The venom she spewed was less deadly, slurred. Sometimes, without telling her, he invited friends over, knowing her need to keep up appearances would make her tolerable while they were present. It gave him a little respite and shored him up for the obscenities she lobbed like grenades as soon as the company left. What good are all those goddamn psychology credentials if you can't even fake a little love for your dying wife, she spit out, more than once. His ability to smile and walk away made him thankful for his training. He endured her nastiness in part because he knew he shared blame for what she had become. But it was June now, and six months of sporting a widower's lost hound dog look was enough. Summer was fast approaching, and Northwestern spring quarter was over. Within an hour of churning in grades, he was on his way back to catch a train. His hopes were high. Maybe all he needed was a change of scenery to recover the man he used to be. The familiar brass-topped marble columns and grand staircase of Chicago's Union Station made his shoulders slide away from his ears as soon as he stepped through the doors. Broadcasts of departing destinations echoing throughout the Cavernous Hall were calls to escape. Traveling long distance by train was always his preferred mode of transportation when his schedule allowed. Time to think, read, and sleep without the minutia of daily life slicing up his piece were rare and cherished. I... <laughs> Are we supposed to critique this? I mean, I... I, I love it. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I mean, so I think it's like... So like we start with like Tyler's wife, Carolyn, and the focus is on her, but, but, you know, so you kind of forget him. And then you, with the, when the focus goes back to Tyler and you're just kind of there with him. And, you know, I loved, I loved the, the online about um, his shoulders slide away from his ears. He says, as he stepped through the doors and like mm-hmm. how, how men, how men, you know, like carry themselves differently out of the house sometimes. And it says exactly so simply who this character is as he moves forward in a single page, you know, I'm kind of blown away by that. Like how much there's literally on this page. Yeah. And I think the way information is delivered is really interesting because usually we need more. We are in this place. We are in this moment. We are with this character to feel grounded. But I feel, and then, you know, it's usually we need that or we need a very specific emotion to feel grounded. And I feel like this is conveying a combination of emotions that we don't see very often. And that's hard to do in a way that is specific and real enough to make me not feel lost. Uh, But I I don't feel lost at all. I feel like I'm watching this layering of nuance. And when we, you know, 
almost zoom out a little bit and see where he is and that he's a professor at Northwestern and that he's getting on the train and all of the details that we would normally need right away to understand. It just feels, um, it, it feels like, oh, okay, like now I have a context for this this mood and this meaning that's already been established. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard to do. Um, you know, normally when people try to do something like this, I feel so confused um, because I don't understand, you know, where are we, what's happening, who's talking. And yet somehow without directly saying any of those things, all of that was conveyed here. So I love the shot of Sherry. <laughs> I love that, you know, that how, how, like, and that says exactly who this, his wife was. Um, but I loved how he was like making her venom less deadly and slurred mm-hmm. um, and how he didn't love her anymore, but he still protected her from herself and, and he endured and stayed because he didn't blame her. I mean, it's like, this is how you build character. This is almost like a master class in building character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, one question I had was why it was 2002. I wasn't totally sure about Ooh. that. Usually usually there needs to be um, some sort of reason, and there might be later, for why a book is set in the recent past. Um, but, you know, that's easily addressed. Um, mm. Yeah, I... I'm, I don't know. You know I'm sorry. I can't find it? anything wrong with it. <laughs> well, I, I guess, like, what do you think of the first line? Grief needs a fond memory or two to get going. I think that's really interesting because that implies that, like, you feel more pain if you feel like the loss of something great. Right. So, so I guess my question for that would be: Is this whole book going to be about finding happiness again? Mm-hmm. Like, is there is there somewhere in the beginning of this? It, it, the theme of the entire book. So, so like, is this is this entire book going to be around this man finding himself, or is it going to pivot to something else totally different? And if it does, you might want to look at that and and you know maybe lean into like one more thing you can put there, even though I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that might give us kind of the clue to where we're going. Um, it's hard to do a whole book on grief. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to sustain that, and it's hard to make your reader feel better than your protagonist. Yeah. So, so we finally came up with a question for this writer. Um, you know, is the is there a little clue to where we're going here? Uh, and there might be. Just we just haven't really caught exactly what it is yet. I like the get going too because I, you know, it yeah. feels very. It, like I could think of this as literary. I think it's definitely upmarket, maybe on the upmarket literary border. But the mm, get yeah. the get going makes it feel accessible and casual enough yeah, that like right. this isn't a book you have to dress up to read. Well, and this could be a prologue. It could be a prologue. Yeah. In fact, it probably is a prologue. So maybe we go. Maybe that's two thousand two, and then maybe we go. You know, fast forward to present. Mm-hmm. So if if that's the case, then I think it totally works. And just to clarify, this is a prologue. I would not cut. I know a lot of people say, cut your prologue. If this is a prologue, keep this prologue. But we still feel like it's going to be Tyler's story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so. You know, ultimately, I feel, ultimately, I feel pretty hopeful for Tyler. Um, Yeah. I I think Tyler's going to be okay. (laughs) He's a stand-up guy. He seems to have, you know, like, like enough chutzpah to keep moving. (laughs) 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 You know, it's great. Yeah. I, well done. Well done. I, I hope everything works out for Tyler. And like, I'm I'm invested now. Um, yeah. And um, just in case you're an agent out there reading this, if you want to 
have, have us put you in touch with the author. We can do that. Um, yeah, very good. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, you know, everyone out there, thank you for kind of being with us as we process what's going on too. Um, you know, and I'm just saying like, we hope, we hope we got it right. We hope, you know, just know that we're, we're doing our best with this. If you, if you're a black writer who has a question, please feel free to send us an email. If you're an aspiring black agent or editor, head over to my Twitter and I'd be happy to go over your resume and cover letter for you. Check out the resources in the show notes and we'll be doing more scholarships in the future. So as the newscasters like to say, watch this space. Um, I hope this finds everybody finding some comfort in this time. We know this is really hard. Um, we're sending all the love and support your way that we possibly can. So take good care. Thanks, everybody. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.